0: You're listening to the free preview episode of On Grief, a podcast about death by Karen Geyer. To unlock the full episodes, please visit patreon.com forward slash on grief pod. Memberships start at just $2 a month. This is On Grief, a podcast about death. Episode 8, Pet Grief. If you're a pet owner like me, the idea that you will have to euthanize your pet is probably one of your worst fears on earth. It's only been in the last 10 years that people have started to take pet grief seriously, up until then, the idea of someone mourning an animal was considered the domain of the crazy. But now with more of us living with pets in the house, and more of us experiencing the joy that they bring to our lives, more people are experiencing deeper and more profound grief associated with their passing. Here to discuss this very unique topic is my guest, Wendy Van De a certified end of life and pet loss grief coach and author of several books on the topic. Welcome, Wendy. Wendy, let's talk about how somebody becomes a person like you. Did you have a pet loss in your own life that started you on this path?
1: Yeah, I actually did. And I mean, it's a couple of different actually reasons why. Uh, But it was really the culmination when I lost my dog Marley uh, to a really tragic disease of nasal sarcoma. And it ultimately inspired me to refocus my work that I do for animals and people. But it also came from the fact that I was 16 years prior to that, a massage therapist for humans, horses and hounds. And people would bite, you know, Pretty much by default, my ba- my practice was based in pet hospice. Uh, people would call me wanting to do something special for their companion at the end of their life. You know, it, it was just the one thing that the universe basically just offered me was to to be able to offer this for people. So I that's how I grew my grew in my field and as a pioneer to offer animals a peaceful death. I was being asked to be present at euthanasias. And, you know, while I was giving massages or, or during the process of euthanasia, I was able to hear and listen to people when they express their grief and the chaos and, you know, the whole complexity of, a, of, a, of the grief journey. And at that time, you know, there was nothing available (laughs) to study. You know, I could have got. I want. I didn't really want to go back to school. I already had a master's, and so, you know, I was. It was self-taught basically. But when Marley was diagnosed, that my life was crushed, and that's when I decided to really make this into a business where I could, you know, help people, and became certified as an
0: end-of-life coach takes an extraordinary person to attend the euthanization of an animal that they have no connection to. I'm not sure if when asked, everyone would say yes.
1: Again, it was all basically by default because these animals became very much a part of my life. You know, the animals in pet hospice and I'm giving them massages and I'm listening to the stories of the the person, you know, that's that spends their life with these animals, and and and, I became part of the circle, and I became very. I was trusted not only by the person, but but by the animal as well, and it just happened where somebody said, "Could you please, you know, come with me while my my dog or my cat gets euthanized?" And at first, I was like, "Oh, wow." Uh, can I do this? But then, you know, I realized what was happening. One, they're seeing me as a trusting professional and that I can even offer them more support during this time. And so it's it's a very tender moment. It's a very, I feel very honored when people ask me to attend something like that and um, being able to just kind of be there as, as a support for both the animal and the person is really, is, I, I don't say I enjoy it, but I feel like, you know, it's my, it's, it's a purpose. It's one of my life's purposes is to walk the journey with people.
0: Let's talk about the steps of grief. Are they different when you lose a pet versus when you lose a human?
1: It goes beyond those five stages. A lot of people have now, you know, taken her you know, her groundbreaking um, discoveries with grief and have broadened it out to seven stages. But yes, basically they are the same, Karen, Um, but studies have shown, and in my experience, that the death of a companion animal is usually more intense for the reason being that animals give us that unconditional love, right? And when we lose that everyday physical reminder of how wonderful we are, unconditional love, and even though we love our human family and friends and they love us, it is, we, there is expectations because we're human and that's what we do. We have expectations.
0: When someone experiences the loss of a pet, what should you say and what shouldn't you say? the
1: best advice i can give people is one be go into it with a listening ear not to give advice not to make it better uh, but provide a safe environment for the person that's grieving to express themselves okay we're a society that's gotten really far away from the dying process. We feel like if we could talk about death, we're gonna die, you know, we're gonna die. Um, but the first thing I would say for an adult is, and this, I, you know, I get flack from this, is don't say you're sorry, all right? Because there's better ways that give the person that's grieving the space to feel like it's about them. When we say we're sorry, I mean, it's very easy to say, and I'm guilty of it as well. You know, I catch myself sometimes because it's so easy to say. It is <clears throat> It sets up this subconscious thing in the griever that they have to take care of the person. If, I, if you say, I'm sorry. And it sounds kind of weird, but it's true. Because I've, I see it in like my, the people that I train to become pet grief mentors is, you know, since, you know, I I hear this from my clients and, you know, when people, when they get educated and they can change what they say, their grieving is so much richer. The other thing not to say, I mean, and what you can say instead of that is, I have compassion for what you're going through. It's still saying the same thing, but it's a different way to, to give that person that's hurting a richer, again, another a richer experience and a safer experience, and that like you are ready to listen to them. The other thing is, oh, you can always get another dog, cat, or horse. You know, there's there's a ton of them out there. You can get another one. Not a good thing to say. The other one is like, are you still grieving? Like, hurry up already. Get over it. <laughs> you know, um, our animals are very integral parts of our family life. It doesn't matter how long it takes for somebody to be grieving. So you know that's another thing you know that just to be aware of. For children, I talk about this a lot in one of my books on um, on healing a child's pet loss grief. Depending on the age, is I'm all for being as honest as you can with your child. It'll, it also depends on how the family views death and dying so if the family is afraid of it and all that kind of stuff you know some of the myths are going to be perpetuated in what they say but if a family you know goes through the education and teaches children that you know that death is part of life and you know by showing them what happens in nature with leaves and maybe you know, the, the um, chipmunk on the side of the road or, or something like that, there's ways to do it for children that doesn't have to scare them <laughs> um, and can actually help them be grow into really stable adults when it comes to the death and dying process. So, you know, the, it, it, there's a lot more, you know, that goes into it, of course, but that's just the broad overview. Basically, being very thoughtful and compassionate will so, mean so much to the person.
0: There's a traditional wisdom that we've learned from movies and TV that you should go out and get a new pet after the first one passes. Is that the case? Is that true? Should we be doing that?
1: People want to do the best thing for the pet that has died. They don't want to be disrespectful. So, will the biggest, one of the biggest questions I get is if I get another animal, will my other animal feel okay with that? Is that okay? I, or I feel guilty loving another animal? It all depends on the individual and how the, the family, the person is grieving. Everybody grieves in a different way, as you know. So, opening up their heart to a new companion, can be helpful but it can be take a really long time for somebody else or they may not ever be able to get another animal because the pain of loss is so so intense it's a personal choice so what i tell people what i tell my clients and what i talk about in my books is no matter where you are with your grief that action of bringing another animal into your life can trigger feelings of loss that you already thought you had, you already dealt with. So I definitely, you know, tell people this um, when they're considering getting another animal to is to be aware of that and giving, you know, tools and how to deal with that. There's no right or wrong time really, Karen, to bring another companion into the, into some into your life.
0: It seems like if you're experiencing complicated grief that you probably don't want to invite an animal into that situation. No. So that
1: goes right along with what you say for sure. You know, and I mean, my experience for my own loss is after Marley died, you know, that was, it was just gruesome. You know, it was just a horrible, horrible death because she was my soul dog and she was in pain and she had cancer. And I was like, ah, and I started volunteering at the Humane Society to deal with my grief. And we had a, uh, our first plane rescue and there were 29 puppies coming and they needed people to volunteer their vehicles to pick up these puppies from the airport and then bring them to the Humane Society. My husband and I had no intention of adopting another dog yet. We were still grieving. Well, here comes this little puppy off the plane. She looks part Samoyed, part golden. I don't know. She was the only fuzzy one that came off the plane. She was, like, eight weeks old. She was, everybody, she comes off the plane in New England in December. It was so cold. And everybody's going, oh, my goodness, look at that dog!" So I walked up to her to pick her, you know, grab her to put her in, in the van. And we did a heart melt and she gave me a little kiss. And that, at that moment, and this is what I I tell people, you will know the right moment (laughs) when that, you make that heart connection with that dog or with that cat or with that horse. And Addie and I, we made a heart connection. She gave me a little kiss. I walked up to my husband. I said, she's coming home with us. (laughs) And she did the same thing to him and, you know that that was our for my husband and I that was our right time to bring in, to adopt another dog we weren't even expecting it but we obviously we were ready to heal
0: i think about this a lot because i am the owner of a senior dog what can we do to prepare for this eventuality while our pets are still alive we can
1: prepare i believe and deal with learning what our own concept of death is about our own death and what we want it does help it's not you know 100% this is going you know you're not going to feel grief you're not going to experience sadness you're not going to feel anger you're not going to be angry you know it doesn't mean that you will a person will not feel grief but I do really encourage people to know what their reaction really get to like in our society, you know, like with the self-help and everything, we we, you know, we we're looking at so many different things. Like, why do we compulsively eat? We wanna be healthy, well-balanced human beings. We wanna be happy. So this is part of it. We're human. Grief happens. So by knowing what we believe in and what our what we want our deaths to look like can definitely definitely help while the while your animal is still alive if it's going through pet hospice at the point that's i i highly recommend a very solid self-care program for the person massage support groups healthy eating finding safe and supportive friends, and all of those things will help the body, mind and spirit as, as the animal is,
0: is reaching the end of their life. What do you recommend people do to get through the initial shock and the initial stages of grief? Guilt is the most common.
1: It's normal and it's surrounding the death of a pet. It's huge. And it's a very tenacious emotion. And it can get in the way of a person's healing. It can be it can be like that mosquito that you can't get, you know, get to stop biting you or buzzing in your ear. Guilt also surfaces when a person least expects it. So it's just one of the I mean anger's there, all of those are there, but guilt is the biggest. The thing I see when I work with my clients whether in pet hospice or at the end of life or afterlife, whatever, what I see is people lacking self-compassion or maybe not lacking, but struggling to find self-compassion for themselves and this emotion. Humans, we beat ourselves up. We love to beat ourselves up (laughs) for not doing better and especially not doing better for our animals.
0: To unlock the rest of this episode and to hear more episodes, visit patreon.com forward slash pod.